This is part two of a sermon that we did two weeks ago, because I was gone last week. And so we're going to review pretty good uh, the first half, and then we're going to go on to the second half. So we're going to do the entire chapter six of Revelation today, and we're going to do it like this. We're going to read a couple verses, going to refer to the notes. A couple more verses, refer to the notes. The notes. And we're going to take them one seal at a time. So the context here is the rapture has taken place. The seals are being opened on the scroll. Remember that Jesus is opening the seals. And remember that the seals reveal. So we are being exposed to or being allowed to see what is happening. The fact that the seals are being opened by Jesus indicates that he's in charge. He's in control. He's not looking to see what's going to happen. He's revealing what is actually happening. So he's, he's in control. In other words, nothing's happening that he is not either instigating or allowing. We're going to see both of those taking place. So the seven seals take up the entire seven years of the tribulation. Because if you remember the seventh seal, we open it, and what is revealed are the seven trumpets. And when the seventh trumpet is blown, it brings upon uh, out the seven bowls. So the seven trumpets and the seven bulls are the seventh seal. And so all that happens in the end. So if you remember, uh, we start off, time is moving pretty slowly. But as we get to the end, it's going to be moving very quickly. And we're going to pick up some of that timeline today. So let's go ahead and look at Revelation chapter 6. Let's read the first couple verses. It says, I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a loud voice like thunder, Come. I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider was given a bow, and it was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Just some of the key things we see in the words there that we don't want to miss. Horses represent power. They're, they're, they were a military-type instrument back then. If you had a cavalry, you were a powerful force. White represents um, peaceful. So I looked in there before me was a, a peaceful force, if you will, a, a peaceful army. It's right and held a bow. And remember, a bow is a weapon, but there's no arrows. So it, it, he is capable of fighting, but he doesn't need to fight. So we're talking about something political happening. And he was given a crown. Every word here is important. A crown is authority. He, he's, he's made king, if you will, or he's, he's crowned chancellor, whatever the word is. He, he's given a crown, which means it's handed to him. So we see a peaceful, powerful person being handed authority, and he conquers basically the world. And, and so there's a lot there. Let's look at the notes. Seal number one, we call this the peaceful beginning. Remember we said that if the rapture had not taken place, we would not know the tribulation period had begun. There is nothing happening right now that we couldn't probably find in the world today. And if it happened tomorrow, it would not be that unusual. People come into power politically. People try to, to gain authority. They try to control the world. They're, they're, people have been trying to do this forever. And if someone gained political power and all of a sudden uh, the world government was formed, we wouldn't be all that surprised. Except that the rapture took place and all the Christians were removed so millions upon millions of people disappear all at once 
Various explanations will be given, but those who know Scripture will recognize that it was the rapture, and then they will recognize that the tribulation period has begun. Then they'll see these things, and they'll say to themselves, oh, this is what the Bible talked about. So Jesus reveals, in your notes, Jesus reveals that a human being is allowed to wield the political power necessary to take control of the world without violence. So God is allowing him to do this. No, no person takes office without God allowing them to be there. Your favorite president, your most hated president, uh, dictators of the world. No one has gained any power or authority, political or otherwise, without God allowing it to happen. And sometimes we look at that and we think, wow, that's not good. Why is God allowing it? Well, we're going to see today in the, in the progress of these seals that God is allowing this to further his purposes, to further his kingdom. So on the surface, this guy who emerges, who's the Antichrist, looks like a really bad guy, and he's bringing bad news. But in the end, we're going to see that God was using it, and we'll get there. So he's allowed to take political control of the world without any violence. He will most likely be elected to office by those with whom he has an alliance, and who plan to rule alongside of him. This person will likely be the Antichrist. Now, speculation of how it's going to work, we don't know how it's going to work. We're not told how it's going to work. But a possible way it will work, the way, the way that history seems to be approaching, is that a group of people will come together and say something like, hey, you know what, if we were in charge, this world would be a better place to live. And people below them will say, yeah, you're right. If you were in charge, it would be a better place to live. We'll help you get control. And then political things happen. The European Union and the Western alliances and NATO and everybody gets together and they say, okay, you know what? We're just going to share power. And, and it's, it's going to be called uh, the greatest peace that ever was. It's going to be mankind has finally evolved to the place where we can get along with one another. We're going to make everybody better. And, and all these promises are going to be made and people are going to buy into it. And politically, this guy will be in that group of controlling agents. And probably no one there will know who he is. He may not even know who he is. Satan will know who he is. And so he's in that control. And that's the first, that's the first seal. This process has begun where the Antichrist is rising up in the ranks. He is in the ruling party or the ruling group. And this is... This is either moving towards or actually at the point of, of, of world government. And we go to seal number two, Revelation 6, 3, and 4. It says, when the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Red is always danger, right? Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. Now, a large sword, that's, that's not a subtle weapon like a bow is. It's not the show of power. It is the use of power. And he's given a large sword. So he's going he's gonna to be able to fight his own battles. He's going to be able to do things. So this angel was let go, or the rider on the horse is let go, and he has this large sword. What does that represent? It represents actual warfare taking place, actual battles taking place. Let's look at our notes. Seal number two, we, we call this the hostile takeover. 
We've had peace for quite a while. Matter of fact, that first seal probably lasts probably about three years. And, and there's, there's peace, and everything's going great, and, and people are like, wow, this is great. And I want to remind you that even though mankind seemingly is embracing this new government and this new way of living, there are a group of people who at the rapture recognize that the Bible was telling the truth, and they got on board with Christ, and they became saved, and now there's believers also here on earth. So there's believers, there's those who are fully fully engrossed in this new government, and then there's a lot of people in the middle who don't know what to do because they've heard both sides, and they're kind of stuck there. But in your notes, Jesus reveals that nearly halfway through the tribulation, a little less than three and a half years into this new worldwide government, that he allows the Antichrist to take absolute control of the worldwide government. In doing so, he uses weaponry and violence to seize political, economic, and military control over the entire world. Now that doesn't, not everything I said there is said here, but when we put it together, we see this is when it happens. And the large sword is the means by which he takes control. And it says that the writer is given power to take peace from the earth and, and make people kill each other. So there's battles going on. This is not a little skirmish. This is not a simple disagreement. This is not a duel in the misty grass of England. This is a war. A, a war is being fought. Probably the people who are sharing power no longer want to share power. The Antichrist certainly doesn't want to share power. Satan does not want him to share power. And in the struggle to gain power, political means no longer work. And so the Antichrist rises up and he defeats those who stand against him militarily. And he takes over. So now all of a sudden the Antichrist is on the scene. Okay, so then seal number three, verse five and six. When the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard a third living creature say, Come. I looked and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was hearing, holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, Two pounds of wheat for a day's wages. Six pounds of barley for a day's wages. And do not damage the oil and the wine. And we talked about that two pounds of wheat was enough to feed one adult for a day. And six pounds of barley was enough to feed a family for a day, but not well. The equivalent of what the animals would be eating. So think of whatever animal food you could eat. That's what we're talking about. It says, do not damage the oil or the wine. Be extra careful about the oil and the wine. You need it for cooking and drinking. And we look ahead and we realize the water's going to be bad. Um, supplies are going to be bad. They need these things. And what we have here is a famine. We can't afford food to feed ourselves. We can't afford food to feed the family. If we skimp on everything else, no electricity, no gasoline, no vehicles, no nothing, and all we spend money on is food, then it, then it takes every bit we have to feed ourselves for a day. And we won't be feeding ourselves like I ate yesterday. Okay, you don't gain this body by eating starvation-level foods, right? You'll be starving. Surviving, but starving. And so, a, an extreme famine takes place. In your notes, Jesus allows, remember again, Jesus is in control. He allows, as a result of this coup, famine, disease, starvation, and economic recession to follow as natural consequences. 
whenever we have a big war that takes place, after the war, there's economic recession, especially in the losing places. The, the farmlands are destroyed. There's no food crop being grown. They need help from other places. Just think of what's going on in Ukraine. Whether you support it or don't support it, there's issues that are being created worldwide because of the struggle over there. Now you take those issues and you make them worldwide, think of the implications and the repercussions of that. Well, what happens is there's a famine, there's disease, starvation, economic recession to follow. And what's going on? Back to your notes. By allowing the Antichrist his full reign, so we ask the question, why would God let him? Why would God let the Antichrist be in charge? Why would God let Satan raise him up? Okay, by allowing the Antichrist his full reign, God shows the world what Satan has to offer. And what he has to offer is war, starvation, poverty, and death. Remember, the whole point of Revelation is getting people's attention so they'll accept Jesus as their Savior. And, G and God is using, he's, he's putting on display what Satan will bring so that people can see it. Those who have not chosen sides yet, they can see it and then choose to follow Christ. So it's all part of the, the plan. It's all part of the program. God is allowing, Jesus is allowing these things to happen so that more people will accept Christ as Savior. And then seal number four, verses seven and eight. When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Think of sickness. Its rider was named Death, and Hades followed close behind him. Think of Hades as, as, as the grave. It's another actual word for the grave that was translated here. Think of it like this. If, if he's going to be riding a horse, think of death riding a horse, and he's got a bag over his shoulder. The bag's following close behind, and that's where the death goes. That's where, that's like the grave. It's, it's a picture there. Death and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. We've already talked about sword, famine, and plague. That's, that's war, famine, plague, disease, all brought on by these events that are taking place, and a fourth of all mankind dies. That's a lot of people, and they're going to be dying. That's a fourth of everyone left after the rapture takes place. So to your notes, Jesus further reveals that these worldwide issues, war, famine, and economic collapse, bring the worldwide death toll to a full 25% of the world population. Specifically, these deaths are the direct result of war, famine, disease, and animal attack. We talked about that. I won't, won't go through that again today. And the indirect result of Satan having his way with the world government led by the Antichrist. So God is actually doing two things. He's putting himself on display, and he's putting Satan on display. And he's giving people, humans, a very clear choice. Am I going to follow God? who said all these things would happen, and they are happening, so obviously he's sovereign, and, and it's, he's powerful. Or am I going to follow Satan, who's doing what he's doing, but it's turning out really bad? Who, who am I going to follow? And then we go to seal number 5, verses 9 through 11, and this is new information, so it's new for today. It says, when he opened the fifth seal... I saw under the altar the souls of them who had been slain 
because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. So we actually get a lot of information here. Now, seals one through four moved ahead chronologically. This happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. So we moved chronologically. Seal number five is a by-the-way seal or a while you weren't looking, this is what happened kind of thing. You know, like on a TV show, they'll flash back and give you a little bit more information about something that happened somewhere else so the story makes sense. Well, we need this information to be able to process what's going to happen later on in the story. So this fifth seal tells us that while all this other stuff was going on, some things happened. It says, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. So after the rapture, a lot of people are going to say, oh my word, God is real. I better read my Bible. I better get that book out that somebody gave me. I better get that track out somebody gave me. I better gain this information and and figure out how I'm going to follow God because I don't want to be left out next time. And a whole bunch of people are going to be saved. And it's kind of a dramatic period of time and, and, and the way economics are and the way politics are and everything's going, you don't kind of get saved at this point in time. You're all in or you're all out. We're going to see that on display in a little bit, a little bit later. And so a lot of these people are slain. Slain by who? Slain by this worldwide government. Slain by the coalition, if you will, or the, the peaceful takeover. Because there'll be people saying, no, that's not who you want to follow. Don't follow him. Follow God instead. And they're not going to be liked. They're going to be eliminated. And then the Antichrist, when he takes over, he's going to be eliminating enemies. And there'll be people who say, I will not be a part of this. I will not follow you. I will not do what you say. And there's going to be laws made against Christians and all this stuff. And there are going to be people who stand up against it. And a lot of them are going to be killed. Okay? I saw under the altar. Now, when you think of under the altar, don't think of like a pit under the floor. Think of a photo or a painting. So if, if someone stood in the back of the church and took a photo, it would appear as if all of you were under the stage. Because I and the stage and the picture behind me would be on the top of the photo. You guys would all be on the bottom of the photo. And if I was describing it, I would say, see the third person back under the stage or under Dave's head or under the light? That's so-and-so. That's how you look at it. Under the throne, as you're looking, would be in front of the throne. It would be in the courtyard, if you will. So I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain. Okay, because they maintained their testimony. They, they believed in God, and they wouldn't deny God. They maintained their testimony. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth, and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe. And they were told to wait a little longer. Told to wait a little longer. Why? Because others will join them. So in the first three and a half years, an awful lot of people die because of their newfound faith in Jesus and the complete disregard for their faith by the government. And after this time period, after three and a half years, the second half of the tribulation, more people will. 
She says, how long before you avenge? He says, well, I'm going to wait until you're all here. I'm going to wait until you're all here, then I'll avenge your death. And they're given white robes, which is interesting. And now we're going to go to the notes. Let's fill in some notes. Fifth seal, we call this seal martyrdom. And Jesus reveals that, number one, during the first three and a half years of the tribulation, many unsaved people became saved after the rapture, stood strong in their faith and testimony, and were martyred because of it. Many. We say how many? Well, we're not told here. We're just, we're just told there's a lot there. It's not two or three people wandering around bumping into each other. There's a lot of people here. We're going to find in other passages we'll look at that it is a, a large group. Okay, in Revelation uh, chapter 7, verse 9, it's, it's described as a multitude. A great multitude that no one can count. So this is a huge group of people, which tells us that what Jesus is doing is working. What God's doing is working. We might think, oh man, this is terrible stuff that's happening. This is bad news and it's, it's getting worse. And some of the predictions that were made before the rapture are coming true. And the, 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 the world's falling apart and all these bad people are in charge. Well, that's true. But during that exact same time, multitudes of people that no one could count are being saved and, and are dying, which probably means that there's more multitudes of people that are still living who are saved. So this evangelistic effort that God's doing where he's saying, hey, look at me, I'm God, I have forgiveness for sins, please listen. There are millions upon millions of people, multitudes that cannot be counted of people who respond to that and say, yes, I will believe. And some of them are killed. So number two, more will be saved and martyred during the second half as well. We know that because we're waiting for them to join them. Number three, this is interesting. This group of unique believers, why are they unique from others? Because they were saved after the rapture during the tribulation period. So it's a group of unique believers is kept in a unique place. They're in the throne room of God. Everyone else is in paradise. Now the throne room of God may be in paradise. We don't know. But wherever this throne room is, that's where they're at. They have, they have a place to be where they're waiting. Okay, and they're seemingly waiting for a unique purpose. Now Revelation 19.14 is one such possibility as indicated by their white robes. When I read through that, you might have thought, why were they given white robes? Well, these white robes identify who they are. Yes, they've been made holy. Yes, they've been made clean. But they're identifiable by their white robes. In Revelation 19.14, it says, The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Sounds like a white robe. And that's when the battle of Armageddon is taking place. The armies of God. So it seems the, they're asking, how long till you take revenge or our deaths are avenged? And he says, well, we've got to wait till it's done, till all the people are here that are going to come here. And then these people join Christ and come back to avenge their deaths. So it's interesting. That's who they are. And, and this meanwhile discussion is that this is taking place. So to your notes, the summary. Jesus further reveals that many have come to faith 
and is stood firm in their belief after the rapture and the start of the tribulation. Of those, no, no, of those new believers, many have been martyred on earth and now stand before God in his throne room, waiting for justice to be served regarding their deaths. And it's not written in your notes, but the most important to realize is that God is succeeding in his plan and Satan is failing in his plan. Satan wants everyone to worship him, and they're not. God is wanting as many people as possible to turn to him, and many are. So seal number 6, verse 12 through 17, says, I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red. And the stars in the sky fell to the earth as figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Let's stop there and let's talk about that. We're, we're, about, we're several years in now. We're probably five to six years into the tribulation. So all this stuff we've been talking about, all the people dying, all the people being martyred, all the struggle between who do I listen to, who do I follow. Satan is trying to, to gain his followers. He's got the political and the military on his side. He's doing his thing. The kind of the underground church, if you will, or people that are saved, who were saved during the tribulation, they're sharing Christ. People are choosing Christ. This has been going on for a while. Um, it it kind of life is becoming normal. And then this happens. We are really close to the end. This is seal number six. Seven seals, seven years, that gives you a bit of a timeline. It doesn't quite work exactly like that, but we're near the end. And this happens. What is God revealing? Okay, this is what happens. There's a giant earthquake. The sun turns black. The moon turns red. Stars, or meteors, start impacting the earth, and they, they fall like figs falling from a fig tree in a strong wind. Think of shaking a fruit tree and all the stuff falling down. The heavens recede like a scroll. I have no idea what that means. And every mountain and island was removed from its place. This is not a sequence of events. This is an event. We have natural disasters today, and, and they wreak havoc. Hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, tsunamis. They're usually an event with some repercussions. And, it, it, and the whole world jumps in to help. Fires. Just think of the news lately. This is an event, but it's not a localized event. It's not a California earthquake. It's not a fire in Hawaii. It's not a hurricane in Florida. This is a worldwide event where the entire earth shakes in an earthquake. The sun turns black. I don't know if God just does a miracle if that happens or if God causes that to happen because of the earthquakes. Don't know how that works. The moon turns blood red, even more of a mystery. Stars hit the earth, meteorites hit the earth. I believe that word star would be better translated meteorite. They hit the earth, and we've been warned about what damage that's going to do. All this together, the result, every mountain and every island is moved in its place. The earth, is no, the earth no longer looks like the earth. The map you study no longer looks like the map that exists. And this is one event. And what is God revealing? 
He's revealing that he's in charge. He's revealing that he can call down the wrath when he wants to. And what he's saying is, if you weren't sure before that I'm in control, be sure now. That's what he's saying. And who's he saying it to? He's saying it to all the people who are in the middle group, saying, I don't know if this is God or not. I don't know if I should follow him or not. This other guy sounds really cool. He's offering me a lot of good stuff. I just don't know which way to go. And God says, go my way. This is who I am. This is what I'm capable of. You're going to know it because I said it. Unexplainable things are going to happen. Things that should end the world but don't. You're going to live through it. And, and, and he's saying, this is me. Choose me now. Very dramatic in his language. And this is what happens. Verse 15. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free. So, stop there. Basically saying mankind. Mankind. Not every king, not every prince, not every slave, and every free person, because we know people are being saved. So it's not every single person, but this is just saying, hey, across the world, mankind in general, doesn't matter who you are, where you live, what you stand for, all kinds of people. This is what they did. Hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? Don't miss what's being said here. They know who God is. They know what's being done. And the majority of people who are left will literally say, I'd rather die than follow God. I'd rather die than believe. And the people who have already gone with the Antichrist are literally going to say, well, you might as well kill me now. And, and that's, that's mankind's response. Which should not be a surprise because that's basically how much of mankind responds now. Right? A few people recognize Christ and respond to him and gain forgiveness. Most people stand in the middle and go, well, I don't know. I just don't know. I'm going to have to wait a little longer. I'm going to have to see what happens. And then there's some that absolutely reject Christ. And we see those three categories right there. So in your notes, number one, the time for subtlety is over. The time for subtlety is over. This is a direct, in-your-face message. Number two, Jesus reveals that he is God, that he is God over nature, over space, and all creation. Okay, note here, uh, God did all these things listed all at once, not in sequence. We talked about that. B, in our timeline... We're beyond the six-year mark, perhaps just a couple of months from the very end. Say, how did we get, how did we get so far ahead? Well, seals one through four take three to four years. Seal number three could take one to two years. Seal number four could be one to two years. Seal number five is a review, so we don't add any time to that. Seal number six, matter of months, if, if that... And then seal number seven is a matter of months. So we're right there at seven years. So as time has gone on, things have gotten more dramatic. They've become less subtle and they've become more direct. Jesus isn't whispering, hey, follow me anymore. Now he's yelling, hey, I'm the one, follow me now, or it's going to be too late. And this is where we're at. Number three, both the 
powerful, the rich, and everyone else knows that God is speaking. Number four, in the face of disaster and destruction, mankind will reject Jesus. So God, Jesus has revealed this in the sixth seal. Now, seal number seven, we're not going to read about till chapter eight, so we're going to have to deal with chapter seven before then. But the seventh seal reveals the seven trumpets. Remember, the trumpets announce or proclaim. Those are the words that go in your blank. The seven trumpets which announce God's status and proclaim that he is coming to finish the work of salvation. So the seals have revealed all these things, and now we're getting close to the end. The trumpets will proclaim who God is, and then the bulls will pour out his judgment. Just, just a couple more minutes of, of application. I want to just kind of say something. Let me say this. While most of mankind is rejecting God, many receive forgiveness and salvation. That's now. You probably thought I was describing seal number six. While most of mankind is rejecting God, many, although few, still are receiving forgiveness and salvation. It's going to be a lot worse in the tribulation than it is now, and that's actually a good thing because more people will have their attention gotten. More people will hear. So during the worst time in human history, which a lot of people believe is right now, God seeks the lost and saves all that will put their faith in him. The tribulation is worse than it is now. So what direction are we going? It's getting worse. It will continue to get worse. Evil will be more evil. Man will become more evil. Satan will be more direct and, and, and have more influence. It's going to get worse. But good news, if you're paying attention, the worse it gets, the more clear God's message is. The darker the night, the brighter the light. You don't need a huge spotlight to see light on a dark, dark night. You just need enough light to guide you. And so the darker the world gets, the, the, the louder the message is proclaimed. And God's going to create the darkness in the tribulation so that his message is very clear. And those people will have their chance to be saved. Now, I don't know where you are today. I know where a lot of you are. Some of you I don't know. I don't know if you've actually stopped and had a conversation with God where you said, you know what, God? This is a dark world, and I do see your light. And because of your light, I know that I'm a sinner. I've, I've done wrong things. I don't think anybody's going to have a problem coming up with wrong things they've done. I've sinned, and I need to be forgiven. I need to be forgiven of my sin. And I hope that as you realize that, if you've never done this, you stop and have a conversation with God and you say, I admit I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. And I've heard that forgiveness is free. All I have to do is ask for it. Well, I'm asking right now. And then God will say, I forgive you. And you know what makes the difference? Not how good you are, not how tall you are, not how much money you have, not what church you go to. What makes the difference is your heart. If you are sincere and you truly want to be forgiven, and you are saying to God, you're God, you're in charge, I'm going to live your way in response to the forgiveness of my sins and, and, and letting me be a part of your family and go to heaven instead of hell, I'm going to make you Lord of my life. That's what makes the difference, my heart. 
So the words aren't that important. It's the heart attitude. And I say to God, I want to be a part of your kingdom. Forgive my sins. He says, yes, I will. And then you are no longer concerned about living through the tribulation. You're now concerned about helping others avoid it. And you will be raptured one day. And you will be in God's presence on that day. And that's where we want to be. So if, if you're in that category, I would encourage you to sit down and have a conversation with God. Talk to someone. Talk to me. Talk to someone who invited you to come. Pick someone out of the crowd and say, hey, I choose you. I want to know more about Jesus today. And we'll, we'll have that conversation. And we can help you formulate those words so that you can gain forgiveness and be in God's family. He's calling out just as loudly and clearly now as he is in the tribulation. Just during the tribulation, people aren't listening. Are you listening today? I'm going to let that be the last thought. Father God, thank you for these, this information. Thank you that we can see how you're allowing things to get worse so that you can find more people willing to believe in you. Thank you that you're willing to do the hard thing in order for people to be saved. Lord, thank you for our salvation. And if there's anyone here who's not saved, let them, let them find that today. Let them come to you on their own or ask someone for help. Father, may we serve you well this week. And we thank you so much for dying on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.